ripping, tearing into your flesh. As the causeway clears tonight. His ears, his nose. As the images fade. Eating him up, tearing his face apart. And as the memories linger. I never thought I would see somebody else eating someone. The picture of the man who witnesses call a zombie, a cannibal, a crazed attempted killer is coming into focus. But as for how a man with only small time drug charges on his record wound up here. Crazy people out there. Allegedly growling and gnawing on a victim. Blood all over it. No one tonight is saying. Closest thing that I've seen to it, uh, The Walking Dead. You're listening to Canary Cry Radio. Now here are your hosts, Basil and Gons. Hey everybody, thanks again for tuning in to Canary Cry Radio. Uh, my name is Basil. And I'm Gons, and we and- are... Sorry, I'm just going to interrupt and just go. Uh, we have an awesome show today because we have um, Ellen Marzulli, who is the one and only uh, author, researcher. Um, he's written several books, including the Nephilim Trilogy, which is a fiction book, uh, Politics, Prophecy, and the Supernatural, The Coming Great Deception, and the Luciferian Endgame. Uh, he also has the Alien Interviews, The Cosmic Chess Match, which is his latest book, uh, and he's got some DVDs, um, Watchers 1, 2, and 3. And I believe uh, he also has a set of lectures out on DVD as well now. Um, so, L.A., how you doing? I'm great. Guys, for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. <laughs> guess thanks it's for early being for on the show. <laughs> We're just like, can I try that again? Hey, guys, thanks for having me on. Great to be here. <laughs> cool. <laughs> well, we, we just wanted to jump right in because there's so sure. much going on uh, in the world. And... You know, obviously this past weekend has been just kind of a a strange thing with the whole zombie stuff going on. Um, I know you blogged about it, about it, LA. And um, what do you, what's your take on the whole thing that happened in Miami uh, with the man eating, uh, chewing off this guy's face and getting shot and still chewing and growling and all that stuff? Well, thanks for bringing that up. Um, you know, I blogged about this, and if you want to go check it out for yourself after the show, it's lamarzuli.wordpress.com, lamarzuli.wordpress.com. I blog six days a week, and um, I'm starting a whole series um, called The Days of Chaos. What's interesting about the uh, what I consider a demoniac in the, uh, the cannibalistic incident that happened uh, in Miami is simply this. That we read in the Book of Enoch, which I which I understand is not part of our canon, I get it. But the Book of Enoch is quoted in Jude, Second Peter, First Corinthians, and alluded to in many other places in Scripture. So while it's not part of our canon, we can certainly appreciate its historicity. What we find from the Book of Enoch is startling, in that um, these Nephilim, and this this takes some backstory. The Nephilim are the product the byproduct of the unholy union of fallen angels and the women of earth. Go to Genesis 6, um, do a word study on sons of God, find out who the sons of God were, everything hinges on that, and you will find that in Job it uses the same phrase, Benaiah Elohim, which of course is the fallen angels. Having sex with the women, the daughters of men, not the daughters of the, the, the bad daughters of Cain, the daughters of men. If it was Cain, it would have said that. It doesn't right. say that. It says men. Right. So mm. it's the fallen angels having sex with the women of earth, creating this unholy hybrid called the Nephilim. And the book of Enoch says is that when they could not sustain themselves 
on normal food, they began to eat and drink the blood and flesh of human beings. Right. Now, what's interesting is, is that demons are not fallen angels. Demons, in my opinion, and I stand on the shoulders of uh, G.H. Pember, Dr. I.D.E. Thomas, uh, M.R.D. Hahn, um, uh, Clarence Larkin, and certainly others who believe that the demons are, in fact, disembodied spirits of the Nephilim that were wiped out in the flood. This man, now let's fast forward to, to the present day, this man was high on drugs. No doubt about it. But what people don't understand is that drugs can be and are a gateway into what I term the second heaven, the lower astral. Um, in other words, to put it very simply, they are a gateway to a demonic. Not every time, but over a prolonged period of time, and sometimes even just once with the right stuff, a person can, can gain access to the second heaven. We are told in Deuteronomy not to contact and have relationships with wizards, mediums, necromancers, um, all this. And there's a reason for it because they are contacting spirits. These spirits are, in my opinion, and of course I stand on scripture, highly malevolent, highly evil, highly wicked. They cannot be trusted on any level. And when so when a person opens themselves up to the demonic, as I believe this man did through drugs, whatever that drug is, he was possessed what we are looking at, in my opinion, was complete and utter possession. This man right. was eating the face of the victim, eating it right. while the man was still alive. And when the police came up to them, he turned to them and growled at them. This is, this is the, the man was about as much of a beast as you possibly can. Um, this is what we're looking at. It, it's beyond, this is the days of chaos. The demonic is beginning to manifest. And yeah, you can blame it on drugs, bath crystals, whatever you want to say, which is just a, a form of uh, sort of a methamphetamine combined with LSD-like hallucinations. That's right. fine. But what this stuff does is it catapults a human being into another dimension and then opens him up to be possessed. I believe that this man was fully, fully possessed and possessed by a demonic spirit of, of the long-gone Nephilim which is why it immediately reverted into cannibalistic attacks. I mean, for someone to do that, I mean, I've never heard anything. I've never heard of anything so bizarre in my life, anything. I mean, I've, I've, I've read a lot of stuff. I've heard just about everything. This takes the cake. It's one thing to cannibalize a person like Dahmer did after they're dead. It's another thing to be eating the flesh of a live human being. I mean, it's just it, it's beyond the pale. It takes I mean, to a whole nother level. Beyond there. the pale. It's a whole other level. And this is what people don't get, and the churches are asleep, and people need to begin to wake up. We are in the birth pangs. The demonic um, is beginning to manifest in ways that I've never seen before. They grow bold. Um, we are, we are at, you know, in a hardball. So his first thing, that's the problem. The solution to that is, and I was just at a conference, and I asked for a show of hands. You know, how many people here put on the armor of God daily? I had a smattering of hands, which just tells me that these people have never been taught anything about spiritual warfare. Read the book of Job and then read Ephesians 6. Read a chapter of book of Job and then go back and read Ephesians 6. Over and over and over again. Just keep ping-ponging between those two chapters. We are at war with heavenly, with spirits and, and entities in heavenly places, in high places. High wickedness, evil, malevolent beings are, that's what we're at war with. And our weapons are not carnal. You can't defeat this stuff. 
with the weapons of carnality, which is why we're told to put on the armor of God daily. Get that, you know, that belt of truth on. What is the truth? The truth is that Jesus came and by his blood and his sacrifice on Calvary and by believing on him who was sent, we have eternal life and our sins are forgiven. We put on the clothe ourselves. We put on those, those shoes of, of, of peace, right? What is that peace? He is the peace that passes understanding. He's the prince of peace. He is our peace. We gird our, our, our exposed parts, right? Uh, with the breastplate of righteousness. That's what I mean by exposed parts. The upper part, you know, that, that's vulnerable, right? You get, right. you get into the belly and stuff. That's exposed without some sort of a shield, right? right? So we gird ourselves with the breastplate of righteousness. Whose righteousness? The righteousness of Messiah. We take the shield of faith that's going to quench the fiery darts. What are those fiery darts? As Russ Dizdar said, unwanted thoughts that come at us constantly from the enemy. Those are the fiery darts. Unwanted, un ungenerated thoughts that just appear in our minds. Where do you think those things come from? You know? Where's that little whispering coming from? You know, God really didn't say that. You won't die. Sure, you <laughs> the apple. You'll become like a god. <laughs> right? That's the, <laughs> that's the bottom line here. We, 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 we take that shield of faith and we know that he's brought us from the beginning when we had first had salvation to the present day. He is faithful and true to do that. We clothe our mind with the helmet of salvation. Who is our salvation? Yeshua, we put on the mind of Christ. We take the sword, which is the word of God, and we begin to wield that sword. So in every thought that comes in that is unwanted, we counter it with a, with a, with a, with a scripture. That's how we work. And when unfortunately, most Christians, you can see I'm really passionate about this, most Christians <laughs> have never won their battle with Satan. And we get three categories of Christians in the, in the epistle of John. You know, to you fathers who have known um, him, or, or I'm sorry, let me back up. For you children who know the Messiah, who have just been born again, welcome to the kingdom. To you young men who have known Messiah, but I'm paraphrasing here, but have won their battle with Satan. To you fathers who have known him as from the beginning and a strong of the Lord. Most people, most Christians never get past the first stage, and they remain babes, children, for 30 or 40 years. Such should not be the case. And we, we are going to, it's right there, who have won their battle with Satan. How does a person win their battle with Satan? By checking the unwanted thoughts that happen in the mind, the temptations, the, the, the thoughts that come to sin, the things that don't jibe with Scripture. We take the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and we chop that thought down. We cast it down by the blood of a lamb. And that's what we're called to do. And once we win that battle, he moves us out into the front lines. He can't go to the front lines until you've won the battle with Satan. It's simple. It's just Otherwise, you'll be cut down instantly. You right. go to the front lines and you can't, you don't know anything about spiritual warfare. Then when the thoughts start coming in and you, you can't knock them down, you're overwhelmed. You get defeated real quick. Right. Uh, our church, Basil and I both work at the same church. Mm -hmm. And I know there's some people listening that are at, you know, that are coworkers and peers. Uh, last week, ironically, about the same time this whole zombie thing was happening, um, uh, one of our pastors, uh, we have a, a, a time every week where, you know, we discuss as a, as a staff, some of the things that are going on, they call it, you know, a, a time to tell stories about what God's doing in people's lives and stuff. And one of the pastors um, talked about how a woman came into his office. Uh, she said she had a vision about the pastor and she was hearing voices and all this stuff. Because and so that is, yeah, exactly. And, and it turned out to be a full blown exorcism in, in the office here. And, and, you know, 
this church that we work at is a fairly, you know, seeker friendly church. And, um, you know, they said that they were in there for four or five hours trying to pray this thing out of this woman. Um, and she was, you know, he was, uh, uh, the pastor was saying that he, you know, he's not a strong guy, but this, this woman who's, you know, about five feet tall had a hand pushing on him and just, you know, it took all his might not to get pushed over. Right. And, and so what, what's your opinion on, you know, performing exorcisms and, and have you ever done one and, and how yes. long should it take? And, and, you know, all those things, what, what's kind of, what can we expect if we ever run into something like that? Well, first of all, exorcism is a right of the Catholic church. I believe in deliverance. Okay? Deliverance, okay. So that's just a, a little semantic thing, but that's exorcisms and the right of exorcism come from Catholicism. And there's a whole right. right ritual thing in the book and you have to be trained in all this other stuff. We have the authority in Christ. And see, this is what people don't get. This is what the churches don't teach. We have authorities in the believer. I'm no different than you are. We need to put on the armor of God. We need to win our battle with Satan. We need to walk in the authority of Christ and know that we have his authority. But if we never taught that and we're never taught to walk in it when we're confronted with stuff like this we're clueless the bottom line is this every deliverance is different depending on who's in there and what's going on right. the ones that i have done just myself with um and when i when i do it it's mostly over the phone and when, when it does happen i usually um have someone with the person on in that house on the phone with me so there's there's I'm, I'm speaking to the, the person who's the possessed, but another person or two or three people are also with them on the phone, listening to everything and also with the person. So it's it's a very coordinated deal, all right? Right. And, you know, the thing manifests, and, it, and the first thing, I don't yell, I don't scream, I don't carry on. I just go, the, the Lord rebuke you. Father, you know what we're looking at here. Send your angels and remove this thing now. We also have to have the person renounce it and and not give it legal right all these these things just can't enter into someone you must give them permission in other words they have to have legal entry somewhere it can come from a variety of things it can come from drugs that's certainly legal legal right it can come from playing with ouija boards watching occult movies um dabbling in the occult with um tarot cards or getting you know your fortune read or or looking at you know dungeons and dragons believe it or not it can come through a variety of ways the bottom line is in most cases um the demons the demons have to obey and and they will obey um they will resist and sometimes if there are two or three you just got to love this live radio with a phone ringing here. <laughs> we'll just ignore that. Which is what I loved about Acceleration Radio when you had it, by the yeah, way. Yeah, the, the dog's barking. Yeah. And everyone's, <laughs> exactly. It's coming back. In fact, I will be speaking to uh, uh, my my new, the, the radio host um, in about, where I wanted to get it off your show. That's my first phone call. And uh, watch the blog because it's coming back up again. Anyway, um, what's interesting is, is that sometimes uh, there are two or three in there. Um, that are that are you know you're not you're not getting in a strong man. It's like there's there's two or three lesser ones that that manifest, but the root of the thing could be let's say the person's bitterness, hatred towards someone. That's an open door, right. open door to all sorts of stuff to happen. This is why you see when this is the deal. I'll just give you an example of the way it works. Someone in your family um, hurts you, right? Whatever the reason, they and hurts you deeply. They that's an older brother that maybe, and you're a female, and the older brother um, molests you, right? Now that's not that. That's obviously a heinous sin. That's incest, and you're molested. This happens. This kind of stuff happens all the time. I hear it from you know everywhere I go. 
So you're a young woman and you hate your brother and you go through your life and you hate your brother and you hate your brother. And this brood of bitterness builds and builds and builds and builds and is carried over to your marriage. And your whole life is ruled by this one incident where your brother came in and molested you. All right. Um, that's the root. And that opens that root of bitterness can open a person up to the demonic and also can open a person up to sickness. It will also cripple that person. As crazy as it sounds and as hard as it is to do, we are called to forgive, not to condone, but we are called to forgive what was done to us on all levels. When Yeshua, Jesus, is hanging on the cross, completely innocent of all crimes, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know, if it had been you or me, it would have been like, Father, you know, come down here and back him over the head, right? But, <laughs> He's like, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And so you can see that that type of root of bitterness could eventually allow demonic, uh, not full possession, but certainly can allow a demon, even if it's a person, a Christian, to begin to control and, and, and harbor thoughts and, or, and harbor that, that, that anger, that bitterness, which festers and festers and festers and then manifests in full-blown cancer. So when the thought comes in, this is where the spiritual warfare comes, right? The thought comes in and that person's overwhelmed by that thought. Because the enemy's fanning, oh, yeah, look what your brother did to me. The, the, we take the sword of the Spirit, and we go, but when Yeshua hung on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, and, and for they know not what they do. In the Word, it is written, it says, unless you forgive those who have hurt you, your Heavenly Father cannot forgive you. Boom! You knock that thought right out of here. You chop that thought in half. And every time it comes in, we pull out the sword. That's how we win our battle with Satan. That's how we move to the next level. That's how we become warriors for the kingdom. No matter what it is, we move it, we compare it to the word of God, draw our sword out, chop that thing. You know, that's what we do. Hack that thing in half, got to. That's why it's, it's like, it's not... Wouldn't it be great if, we, if it was like a physical confrontation? Okay, two out of three free falls, ready, begin. But it's not that. <laughs> it's all in the mind. It's all in the mind, and it's thought upon thought upon thought. And the greatest battle that we see is when Jesus is taken out in the desert and is tempted in all things by Satan himself. I write about this and lecture on it consistently in the Cosmic Chess Match. What we see is that you know Satan comes up and he says, hey, if you're the son of God, throw yourself off the temple. Well, what does Jesus do? Takes out the sword. It is written. You know, you should not put your God to a foolish test. Thank you. Thank you. You know, right? right. I mean, there it is. Bam! It just, the sword comes out. That's how we have to learn to fight. And so, you know, why did it take four or five hours? I don't know. Maybe it was the first time that, you know, your pastor dealt with these things. Sometimes they won't come out. You see, it's, we, there was a woman at well, this one church, and she was possessed, and she would manifest during the worship service, and she had the silly grin. I call it the goofy grin because it's, they all look exactly alike. I've seen it in Katy Perry, with all due respect. I've seen it in, hmm. in Blackfield Brides. I've seen it in people on the street. I've seen it saw it in this woman. I call it the goofy grin because the eyes go wide. The mouth, Jared Lofner's another one with a goofy grin. Right. It's everywhere. And guess who's in there if it's not supposed to be in there? And they always manifest with the goofy grin. And it's uh, very toothy and it's, it's, it's weird looking. You know, the eyes are wide open and it's like, we're, we're not supposed to be here, but we are, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. Right. Um, and where was I going with this? So this woman at church had the goofy grin and she was, she was possessed. Here's the deal. She didn't want it out. Huh. And there's nothing you can do. There, you can shut it up. You know, in the name of Yeshua, the Lord rebuke you. Here's another thing. We don't rebuke anything. 
he rebukes. Because remember what it says when, when Michael the archangel was fighting with the devil over the body of Moses. Well, gee, what was that about? That's a whole other deal, which we won't get into unless you want to. But, you know, that's <laughs> right. fighting with the body of Moses. The Lord rebuke you. See, that's the thing. I don't rebuke anybody. The Lord rebuke you. Father, rebuke, rebuke this spirit. You can shut it down, forbid it to talk, forbid it to manifest. That we have power over. But you can't cast it out unless it wants it out. Can't cast it out unless it wants it out. Right. Now, there are times when you can say, um, you know, the, in the name of the Lord Jesus, come out, and you see what happens. But if the person's given it legal right, in most instances, the, 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 the demonic spirit will not leave will not leave. When Paul cast out the spirit from the fortune teller, right, who, who day after day after day is going, you know, this man is a man of the follower of the most high God. Did the girl want it out? Possibly. I don't know. It's, it's kind of an odd one because, you know, he just commands it and it comes out. But that's after like about a month of the girl harassing him. So maybe it, you know, there's untold parts of the text. We don't know the whole story. Did at that point she was ready to have it come out? Did she, did she tell Paul, you know, I want this thing to come out of me at, at some point prior to that? See, we don't know. So I look at that, and yeah, you can try to do that. But if, there, if the woman or the man is given a legal right to be there, it will not come out. You can command it to stop. We can command it to not to manifest, you know, in the name of Yeshua, by the blood of a lamb, you, you be silent and you be still. That we can do. Now, remember, that, that's a demoniac, okay? Right. You get into the Russ Dizdar's territory with the super soldiers, that won't work. Right, right. Um, Basil, you've had uh, some experiences that we haven't actually talked about on, on Canary Cry Radio yet. Right. Um, but without getting into too much detail, do you want to... The thing that makes me curious, and I want to ask you, L.A., is that um, some of the things you've described, Basil, to me, you know, uh, is is not necessarily uh, horrifying stuff, but sometimes a feeling of euphoria and stuff like that. Do you want to? Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah, well, uh, this whole business about sleep paralysis and, and uh, you know, that whole thing. Alien abductions. Alien, uh, yeah, you know. Sure. I've had some experiences with with that sort of stuff throughout my life, and um, you know, uh, one of two things happens when um, I can sort of feel myself in 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 between the sort of sleep and awake state, and it's a very specific, th uh, very specific and very tangible um, area uh, that I can that that you know you you pass through. Um, one of two things will happen once in a while. Either I will come in contact with a very terrifying sort of um, spirit or, or entity, uh, which I then take the necessary steps, um, you know, to uh, deflect whatever sort of attack that is. Or I sort of go into this feeling of um, euphoria. My whole body will just feel so good. And it almost feels like... Um, I'm floating or something like that. And then, but I'm still in sort of this paralyzed kind of state in, in that same sort of realm. And I was just uh, wondering maybe what you thought about um, experiences like that. Well, the whole sleep paralysis thing, um, again, when that, anything like that begins to happen, I immediately reach for one of two things, depending on how paralyzed I am. I begin to say the name of Jesus. Right. Usually I can get out. Um, um, if I'm a little sometimes. more, if I'm, if I'm not totally shut down, I can get out the blood of Jesus. 
Um, but most of the time, it's just, you know, depending on the severity of it, it's just Jesus. You know, yeah. I don't have the wherewithal to say the blood of Jesus. Can't get that out. Yeah, like it's hard Jesus. enough, hard enough yeah. to get one word out. It's hard enough to get one word out. And I'll immediately say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then as I begin to be get victory over the thing, then I go to the blood of Jesus. And as I come out of it, it's full-blown warfare at that point. This right. is why it's so important to put on the armor of God. Pray before we go to sleep every night. And, you know, some of this stuff is like training wheels, in my opinion. Um, I think the Lord allows us to show us that mm -hmm. this stuff is real per se. It's not, it should not be ongoing. And if it is, there's, there's a gateway open. There's a portal open somewhere if it needs to be shut. Mm -hmm. Occasionally when these things happen, I believe it's, it's like a training session. Okay. This is what we're up against, but it's far and few between. I mean, I've only had a handful of them in the right. last 32 years, only a handful of them. Um, before I began to anoint my hotel rooms, um, that was, I, I began to run into that because see, when you go into a hotel room and, and the guy before you has been watching pornography and doing all sorts of despicable things while watching pornography, guess what's in that room? So the moment I walk into any hotel, the oil comes out, bump up there's any power in the oil, but I anoint everything. The bed, the television set, the bathroom, I do, every, every doorpost gets, gets anointed with oil. And as I'm walking through, I perform a deliverance in the room. Mm. Every anything it's not supposed to be here by the blood of a lamb must leave now this room is now consecrated by the blood of a lamb it is a sanctuary for me it is a resting place for me no foul and un unclean thing can come through these walls or enter into here it must leave now by the blood of a lamb but Lord rebuke you you must I mean I, I walk that's you know you can see I'm just rattling it off because right. I do this everywhere I go got to yeah. You know, you don't know what's been in there before. You don't know what's lurking. And the moment I, you know, actually my friend Richard Grun and, and Russ Isdar, um, you know, helped me with this and, and taught me this like years ago. And um, here we are. It's just, it's just requirement 101. You know, right. you're away from home. You need to consecrate the place that you're in. Create a, a, a clean environment in which to work. Got to. Right. Yeah, Got and to. Inter interestingly enough, yeah, most of the time when it happens, it does not happen at home. It'll happen. Uh, yeah away from home or during a nap somewhere. Right. And, and that's why wherever we are, we have to, before we lay down, I mean, look, this is what people don't get. We are at war. What does it take for people to understand? That's the whole point of the Cosmic Chess Match, the new book, because it equips people and lets people know that it's move, counter, move, move, counter, move between the fallen one and the most high God. We, we've won at Calvary, but we are at war and we are headed towards the grandest of all wars, the mother of all battles. And that's, of course, Armageddon, Armageddon. When the fallen one gathers, as Russ Dizdar talks about, the, uh, the kings of the earth Earth and they are looking up. It's not a war, and we've been completely misled in this. It's been taken totally out of context. It is not a war between countries. It's a war between the kings of the earth looking up, thinking that they can defeat the rider on the white horse, Revelation 19, 19. That's what it is. And that's, you know, that's where we are headed. And, and we ride back with him and destroy the works of the fallen one. We finally puts down this ridiculous kingdom um, that we have been under for thousands and thousands of years since the fall in the garden. Yeah, he's got the title deed. Yeah, he, the victory was declared at Calvary, but he has not taken possession of it yet and will not until he rides in on the white horse at the Battle of Armageddon. And we will be there with him. We will be there with him. It's just going to be amazing. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way. Um, now, on the on the uh, alternative side of that, what what do you think about these few times when it's it's not necessarily the usual terrifying experience? You mean like just like normal sleep paralysis? Yeah, yeah. Whereas you know, I so, sort of uh, you sort of have a 
just a wave of good feeling go through your body? Do you think that's some sort of, um, I mean, is there an opposite of, of the sort of unclean attack that happens during those times? Is there, is, what do you think about that? Well, that's, look, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm suspicious of everything. I mean, I, right. I know his voice. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, and I, he speaks to me sometimes in a dream state. I'll give you an example. A number of years ago, probably about eight years ago now, something like that, eight, nine years ago, this is the last major, um, word like this I had from him major like this it was amazing I was laying on my back in my in my bed I was um asleep but not asleep and uh dreaming but not dreaming if you understand what I mean yeah and um these word this word came down in written letters and the letters were in gold leaf and it said pisca like that and I heard an audible voice. I realize that sounds incredibly crazy, but I heard an audible voice that said, Pisca, just like that. That's what it said. And um, I had no idea what that meant, except that I had, I had learned from previous um, occasions like this, that when I get a word like this, he's done this to me for 32 years, okay? It's not, it's not every week. I've had probably 20 words in, in 32 years, something like that, maybe less than that. And um, I wrote it down. I'd never heard the word before. And um, uh, I looked, next morning I woke up and I went, what the heck? I'm too much pizza? You know, Pisco. What the heck is Pisco, <laughs> right? You got to be kidding me. So I go, to my, I go to my concordance and I look it up and there it is. And I just about fall over. It's used twice. And um, it became what we, we called the Pisca promise. Is God a man that he should lie? Or the son of man that he should tell a lie? I have, I have, now I'm paraphrasing, you know, um, I have a command to bless, you know, and I, and I cannot turn from it. And it was like a blessing for us. Um, and we said that over and over and over again, and the Pisca promise happened and, and it still continues to this day. Um, we call it the Pisca promise here. And that's how he speaks to us. He can speak to us. That's just one of the ways, um, you know, in which he can do it. Right. Well, that's very interesting. Very cool. Um, now, you had said something about, and this is something that is, has been unclear, especially for, um, you know, friends I've had in the church and things like that. And that is the uh, the subject of opening up yourself to um, unclean spirits in the way of watching movies and yeah. things like that. And I mean, there are the obvious ones like Ouija boards and, yeah. you know, things like that. But then there's some less obvious ones or some ones that people uh, don't like to think are, you know, would be a problem. I mean, you, you talk about watching um, movies or occultish movies, which can be pretty obvious to pick those out. But then there are ones like Harry Potter or maybe even Lord of the Rings or something like that. Now, uh, is there a way to identify or are there, um, you know, severity levels or uh, what are your thoughts on things like that? Well, let's look at Lord of the Rings. Um, and I talk about this. There's a, there's a, you know, it's both of these guys, um, um, J.R.R. Tolkien and um, his, his counterpart, uh, you know, the whole Narnia Chronicle stuff. Right. C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis. Yeah, C.S. Lewis, thanks. C.S. Lewis um, were, were, had the benefit or the, <laughs> the non-benefit of a classical education. In other words, they, were, they, were, uh, they could read the original Greek. They read all the Greek classic, classics, and they knew by heart the mythos. 
of, mm-hmm. of, of, of Greece. Um, you know, just all those writings. I mean, that was what they were taught back in colleges back then. And that's what was, so, you know, that's why it's, it's woven into their storyline. I don't think they were occultists. However, Perfect example, and it's in the book, and it's also in the movie. When Galadriel takes Frodo and sh- to, to a place in the middle of the night, and it's a bowl of water, and she says, "Look in and gaze." That's called scrying. Nostradamus used exactly the same technique to contact entities in the second heaven, and um, you know, so supposedly tell the future. We're forbidden to do that. Now, where did Tolkien come up with this, and why did he know about scrying? Because that's what it was. It was scrying that he's doing. So, you know, there is a call. Um, you know, um, manifestations in that movie. Far greater than that is when Gollum provide does his own deliverance. Yeah, right. When he That's says, true. "Go away and never return." Right. See that? Right. He actually performs his own deliverance in that movie, which is shocking. I mean, Tolkien was was brilliant. He knew not only is the story absolutely incredible and is the best fantasy of all times, but there is spiritual warfare going off, you know, throughout that whole deal. On the other hand, you know, we get we get figures like, um, oh, why, why why are the names escaping me? I can't believe it. Um, I was going to say Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oops, nope, wrong movie. (laughs) Well, we we look at Gandalf, right? Right. And Gandalf fights the Belrog. And he says something which, you know, Russ and I joke, Russ Dizner and I joke with all the time. But saying things like, you shall not pass, that's spiritual warfare. You shall not pass. By the blood of a lamb, you shall not pass. You know, that's something I yell if I need to. You know, when I was in... When I was in Newark, Ohio, and the tornado was coming right at us in the sense that the sky was green... Okay, winds were all over the place. We saw cells. I yelled at the top of my my lungs, the Lord rebuke you, you shall not pass. See, so I I took that phrase that that Gandalf yells at the Balrog while he's crossing the bridge. And, you know, that was part of my sword. Right. Shall not pass by the blood, by the, not by me, by the blood of a lamb. You shall not pass. See where that works? Now, now here's where the the, uh, the sort of distinction um, is hard to make because here's I'm not sure how familiar you are with uh, Harry Potter or that series or I that have franchise. never seen it. I know enough about it to right. stay away from it. I would. I mean, that is right. just witchcraft to go go. No matter what. the fact that Laura Bush comes out, oh Harry Potter, every boy and girl should watch Harry Potter. It just makes you want to scream <laughs> <laughs> with her sort of like zombie like appearance. Hi, I'm Laura right. Bush. I'm really a Stepford wife. <laughs> really weird. I mean, really weird. Woman gives me the creeps. <laughs> really? Yeah, exactly. Well, because the the comparison has been made that they both use magic, and and I've heard the argument that you know the magic is the part that um, is the subject matter that opens the doors and things right. like that. Right. So Harry uh, Potter's on a whole different level, a whole different level than what we see with Lord of the Rings. It's okay. on a whole different level. I mean, it really is. Sauron is, a, is an evil dude that wants yeah. to enslave everyone with the, with the ring. And, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's very interesting. And, you know, the good forces are obviously, you know, Gandalf and, and the, the men and, 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 you know, Aragorn and, and all that. I get all that. So, look, I mean, I understand. I mean, the bottom line is that someone, you know, needs to be careful um, when they watch something like this and they, you know, look, when I saw the part in the movie where Gollum does his own deliverance, I mean, that was very alarming. That was very uncomfortable. It was like, whoa, you know, it's like, 
what are we looking at here? I mean, you know, for those who have eyes to see, right? I mean, it was, right. he's doing his own deliverance, you know, leave and never return, go away and never return. I mean, there it is. You Precisely. know, he, he did not give it legal right. But then the thing comes back and keeps whispering in his ear, doesn't it? And he entertains it and finally it overcomes him again and the rest is history. It's a classic, it's a classic, um, overview of what possession is like and how we must win our battle with there it goes again how we must win our battle with satan must win so we can move into the front lines because that's where we'll go but he won't put us there because we'll just get cut down right right well i think i think um one of the things that uh you can distinguish with a lot of these films and stuff is how it influences uh the people with something like harry potter it really influenced children to look into yeah. magic and witchcraft. Yes, Whereas Lord of the Rings, not so, I mean, maybe a little bit, but not as much, I don't think, is uh, influential for the young people. Same thing with all the, um, uh, you know, the werewolf movie. I can't remember the name. And the Twilight. Twilight, yeah, and all that stuff. It really indoctrinated, you know, the youth to really want it, to do things deal. like that. It is true. It almost caused an obsession yeah. in the zeitgeist of the youth. Right. No, I agree. The, um, the, the twilight, you know, it's like, oh, we can become immortal over vampires and all that is, you know, isn't it the blood of human beings? Well, the blood of Jesus, see the way that works. It's a total counterfeit from what we have eternal life. We believe on the blood of a lamb that sacrificed his blood on Calvary for our sins. And by believing on that, we have what we get eternal life. Right. And the vampire cult is just, is just a, you know, a counterfeit of the good news of the gospel. That's really what it is. Right. And they have to drink blood for eternal yeah. life. Right. Yeah. Um, Which is a twist of, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Right. You have no part of me. See the way it's all twisted. Yeah, definitely. Um, Douglas Hamp invited me to watch Avengers last night. Uh, so we, yeah, went, I gotta go see that. Yeah. We, we went and watched it and, and, uh, I mean, it's an entertaining film, but I went into it, you know, with my mindset of, okay, I'm going to look for symbolism and whatnot. Right. And I mean, it was there, you know, the a demon type Satan ish character with six fingers, uh, which wow. repeats, repeats itself in other movies like uh, the fifth element, I believe has something like that as well. Um, uh, but you know, it was just kind of the normal stuff, world surveillance, uh, there's a, a sacrifice type deal on a on a uh, a, a bull uh, a ritual or sorry an altar uh, with that has like bulls on it and stuff, um, you know. And and the biggest thing there's like an abyss that opens up and and the heavens roll back and I mean there's just all this symbolism and basically what I got out of the whole thing was that. Uh, you know these demons are going to come down or these aliens they called it an alien invasion. Uh, and the saviors are humanity and these, not just humanity, but these, you know, superhuman people with, uh, technology, genetic manu manipulation right. and things like that. So trying to get people to kind of see how, oh, it'd be cool to be, you know, technologically, uh, enhanced like Iron Man or right. genetically enhanced like the Hulk, or, you know, even though they're experimental disasters or whatever, they just happen to be, you know, these superheroes. And so I, I, I really think, you know, just in the same way that in the 90s, we saw almost every major motion picture talk about terrorists and then yeah. the 9-11 thing happened. Uh, I think we're seeing something similar. And I think uh, uh, kind of tying into a segue here, L.A., you know, one of the things that you really helped me personally uh, in trying to figure a lot of this stuff out 
uh, was the great deception, the, the UFO deception that mm-hmm. is, yeah. is impending. And I think is, uh, you know, we're seeing more of it. There's, there's yeah. a lot of footage coming out now that yes. we, we just did a show, but we, since then there was a couple footage that have come out from Arizona, I believe, or something that showed, you know, these, again, same thing, these, these flying orbs and stuff like that. And I think that's going to increase as our, you know, our cell phones get better video pixelation and whatnot. Um, where do you think we are with the timeline with, uh, as far as that's concerned? Yeah. Let's talk about UFOs. Well, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, I'm certainly not a date setter, but it's, they're ramping up for disclosure. There's no doubt about it. And this is the game changer. I mean, it is the game changer. It's the one, it's the one event that he's been planning literally for millennia, thousands of years. And when they show up with the three mile wide craft, um, you know, it's, it's basically toast for the church. Um, Stephen Greer even said it. See, people don't get this. He And, I, and I'm going to try to get a, a copy of this so people can see it. This is from the Ancient Aliens series. I forget which season, probably season two, the end of season two, uh, which I was on season one and season two. They asked me for season three, but I refused to go on because I was so heavily censored. And from that, Came the um, came the Watcher series. I mean, you know, when I say heavily censored, when when I'm there on the first show talking about Noah and his generation, pure and all his generations, and he was a Nephilim, and they twist that to make it sound like I'm saying Noah was was a byproduct of an alien. I mean, come on, man, it's <laughs> exactly the opposite of what I've written six books about. I mean, it's such nonsense. It's so yeah. disingenuous. I want nothing to do with them. You know, they're promulgating the ancient astronaut theory, and anyone, for instance, I'll just give you another one. I can't prove this, but they interviewed me for the art segment in season two, I believe. I believe. No, season one. It was season one. They interviewed me for season one with the art segment where they had all these different pictures showing what appeared to be craft. Well, I did a whole lot of research. And guess what? Most of the time, what you see is a, is a copy of 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 a copy. And so you can't see what you're really looking at. And when you go back, the classic, the most one of the most iconic ones seems to be a disc with a ray of light going through a wall and hitting the Mary of the Bible right. on her, on her pinion, you know, on her, on her forehead. Right. And, and, um, Oh, look, it's a UFO. Well, it's not a UFO. When you go back to the original painting, it's a cloud with a bunch of cherubs looking over it. Remember he's got the artist in the 14th century. He's got one shot, one picture to somehow translate the gospel message. And it's all done in some, you know, symbolically, he's got one frame to, to create um, and to communicate the Annunciation. Right. That's what's going on there. There's nothing to do with UFOs. But see, <laughs> that was obfuscated. And so can I prove this? No, I can't. But that they were, there, was a, there was a skip in the first season. They skipped, I think, either a week or two weeks because they edited me completely out and they brought in Bill Burns to weigh in on it. And Bill Burns just made some stuff up, had nothing, to, with all due respect to Bill and the UFO magazine, I respect his work highly. We agree that UFOs are real burgeoning and not going away. We don't agree as to what the causation of these things are, but we agree that they're there. So in that respect, I consider Bill a comrade in arms. However, when they bring Bill in to talk about UFOs, it was completely disingenuous. And that's the kind of censorship and the kind of deliberate manipulation of the facts that we don't need. This thing is coming, and it is the coming great deception. And the fallen one has been planning it for millennia. Now what we see with, with the, the, the uh, works of Darwin, 
who basically created a, a paradigm, a worldview, which completely is contradictory to the gospel. It's taught in every school all across this planet for the most part. You get what I mean, except, you know, religious schools. But it's taught yeah. everywhere as, as fact, and it's not fact. And what it does is create an intellectual moral vacuum in a person where, okay, if there's no God, where did we come from? When Ben Stein in the movie Expelled sits down with Richard Dawkins, the premier evolutionist of the 20th and 21st centuries, one of the most, you know, intelligent human beings on the planet, and ask himself a simple question, where does the first replicating cell come from? And Dawkins says, well, no one knows. Well, isn't that great? No one knows. Okay, so where did it come from? Well, I told you. Well, where do you think it might have come from? This is a Dawkins' answer. I'm paraphrasing. That maybe millions of years ago, in another galaxy far, far away, a race of aliens uh, somehow created all life, and they, who themselves, this race of aliens, who themselves how to, must have arrived at this state by some sort of Darwinian means. Ah, he has no clue, right? Yeah. Aided us and then seeded us out through the galaxy. That's called panspermia. And so you see, we are looking just like get back to Stephen Greer. Stephen Greer at the end of season two or season one, I forget what season it is, basically sits down and says, yeah, when they come, all the religions of the world will crumble. And he's got this big Cheshire grin on his face because he knows that's what's going to happen. And he's right. They all will all crumble because the church is like, why didn't you tell us about this if you knew? You know, maybe God really isn't really real. And maybe Jesus was just an E.T. and blah, blah. And that's what's coming. That's right. what's coming. And this is what drives me nuts. People don't get it. The churches refuse to deal with it. Not all churches, but most of them do. 95, 98% of them do. Um, I'll be speaking down your neck of the woods. I'll be to Calvary Chapel Oceanside, a return trip. Spoke down there last year right around this time. I'll speak again. Um, uh, it's coming up um, in the next couple of weeks. Not this. I think it's three weeks away from this weekend. Not this weekend, but two weeks away. I'll be down at Calvary Chapel Oceanside, and I'll be speaking exclusively from um, the Cosmic Chess Match. So if you're in the area, check it out. Yeah, right. that's that's actually where I met you the first time last year. Uh, I was right. there on Saturday and uh, got to remember, got to meet right. you and and I gave you a hearty handshake, Gani. Yeah, <laughs> great to meet you. Um, yeah, and you know, I, I I really, for me, the biggest thing that as I think about what this looks like when you talk about the three mile craft all over the world and the paradigm shift and all that, right. the closest thing that I can think of that resembles something you know kind of like it is nine eleven and. You know, I was 18 years, I think I was 18 years old when that happened. Um, it was right before my freshman year of college. And I remember waking up and I used to listen, you know, this is before I became a believer and everything like that. I used to uh, stay up late and whatnot. And I'd wake up in the morning and I'd have uh, the radio on all night. And Howard Stern was on my radio and he was talking about something that happened. And, and you know, I'm like, okay, this is kind of weird. He doesn't usually sound this serious. Uh, I go downstairs, I look at the TV you know, my, my mother's watching the TV we're, and we're looking, I'm going, I'm looking at it going, this is like straight out of a, a, a movie. And just that eerie feeling of this is really happening. And as I went through the day and the next few days, and obviously, you know, kind of sunk in a little bit more, but um, uh, you know, even people that said that they knew something might happen probably weren't prepared when that, when it actually went down. Uh, it, what do you think LA, as far as, um, you know, what do we do if, when, when this thing happens, what, what should we do? Should we, uh, go hide? Should we go, uh, you know, get your book and start handing it out to people? What should we do? Well, hopefully people will be armed and understand that, you know, that, um, 
the fallen one now is manifesting. Um, I just wonder whether the coming great deception could, in fact, be coordinated with when it says in the in the in the battle in the, in the uh, book of Revelation that Michael fights with Satan and his angels, and Satan is cast down. Woe to the inhabitants of earth! Is that when they show up? I, we see we don't know. Right, it's a possibility. They could certainly show up beforehand. They certainly are now. They're showing up everywhere. The stuff's manifesting like I've never seen it before. More pe more and more people, you know, see uh, UFOs um, and saucers and discs and abductions and the whole nine yards. Um, if we're still here, and we might be, who knows? We, you know, we're going to find out. Um, I believe it causes, this event causes what's known as the apostasia, the apostasy, the great falling away. Uh, there are, I have colleagues who vehemently disagree with my position. That's fine. Uh, and say that the word means departure. Well, it means departure. But departure is just another word for apostasy. Right. If they wanted to use harpazo, rapture, where we get the word rapture from, we would, they would have used harpazo, but they don't. They use the word apostasia, apostasy. Begs the question, what would cause a great apostasy? And what would cause a great apostasy links back to Darwinism. That it creates this intellectual vacuum. Where do we all come from? And a person uh, will embrace the lie. God says them strong delusion because why? They did not believe the truth. What, and so he says them a lie. What's the truth? That God created everything ex nihilo. For starters, that's the truth. Read Genesis. He created everything. He spoke it into existence. We read the book of John, the gospel of John, right? By whom all things were made, nothing that was made was made without him. Period. Right. That's what the gospel says, which is in direct contrast to Darwinism. Both positions cannot be right. Somebody's right. wrong. Right. And so when they come, they'll say, when E.T. finally shows up, they'll say, but we created all life on this planet. We started the world's religion, started the world's civilizations. Now at this critical juncture in human time, human history, we are here to usher you into a time of peace, prosperity, and knowledge. Go to the other side of the aisle. That's what they're already telling us. That's right. what they're promulgating. Yeah, unbelievable. definitely. And well, Here's something I, I sort of, did you have something to say, Guns? Oh, no, no, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I, I, one thing I always thought was an interesting conversation, and I'd love to get your, uh, your take on this, was what exactly are um, aliens or UFOs, be they Nephilim or, or whatnot, but are they a, a physical being? Do they exist in the physical world? Are they some sort of, um, you know, manifestation that we, we're just not sure exactly what it is? Or what's your take on that? Nephilim, all the Nephilim that were wiped out in the flood and also afterwards, right, um, and, and the giants that were in the promised land, Sodom and Gomorrah, it's, it happens all throughout history, more than likely in the Americas, um, you know, Nephilim, Nephilim Chronicles by uh, Fritz Zimmerman. Uh, states that, uh, you know, we had red-haired giants with six fingers, six toes, double rolls of teeth between eight and 15 feet tall, skeletons found all through the Americas. The Smithsonian has bundled these things up. I am on a quest to try to find some of these skeletons, but I, I digress. The bottom line is the Nephilim are always the byproduct, the unholy union, the product of the unholy union between fallen angels and the women of earth. That's what they are, okay? There can be no redemption, in my opinion, of the Nephilim. No, okay. None at all. Right. None at all. So what do you think um what what do you think we're actually looking at when we see a UFO? Well, most of the time we're looking at fallen angels. However, the grays I believe are bio biological created suits that the demons can inhabit. All right. Definitely. All right. Um last question, Ellie. I know you got to go. Um 2012. I know you're going to be in uh, the temple uh, down in uh, <laughs> the Mayan temple oh, Lord. during December 21st, 2012. That's going to be 
quite an adventure. Uh, wow. I looked at the list of people that are going to be there and uh, very new age, very uh, esoteric, a lot of occult ish people. Yeah. Um, what do you expect to see there? What, what kind of, uh, well, Russ and I and Richard Grun, we, by the way, those of you who are listening, we are desperately trying to raise funds to get Richard and Russ and Larry to come. I will not go alone. Right. And yeah. we've got about $2,300. We need to raise $12,000. So we're at, we're at 2,300 and, um, you know, somebody could, could end this whole thing. It's amazing how these guys on TV ask for a thousand dollar faith, seed faith offering and everybody does that. Here you've got the greatest event in the last 10 years for the new age, Chichen Itza, the Mayan pyramid. And I've got, I'll be speaking there. Hello. And we can't get funding for it. It just amazes me. We can't get funding. And you know, we were at, we will, I know God's faithful. We'll get it, but we need your money. You know, we need money to get these guys to go. They're, they're pastors. Richard Grund is a pastor. Russ Dizdar is a pastor. Right. He's not made of money. It's $4,000 to go there. It's a tour group that goes down called Power Places Tours. And if you feel that, you can come too. But there's going to be thousands and thousands of people at this sacred site. Now, when I say sacred site, it's not sacred to us. It's sacred to them. 70,000 people were ritualistically slaughtered. When I was invited, I did not want to go. Why do I want to go down there? Right. And the Lord said to me, why are you afraid of the prophets of Baal? Ooh. Mm. Wow. wow. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll go. Look, I'm, yeah. I'm very, you think Russ is all gung-ho on this. He's been praying to go. Yeah. So is Richard Grunt. I'm like the reluctant warrior. You know, I don't want, why do I want to go down to Chichen Itza on December 21st? With all the nonsense, something might try to come through. Right. And I've already told these guys, I, the, the Power Place Tour Group, I said, look, you know, we're not, he goes, what are you guys going to do? Run around and sprinkle holy water and everything? I said, no. <laughs> but if something comes through or begins to manifest, we will take an offensive stance. Right. Wow. That's By the blood of the lamb, you shall not pass. <laughs> right. Now, if somebody wanted to help you guys out uh, financially, what would they go ahead and do? Please help us out financially. Do you have a website? Or? I do. Go to my blog, lamarzuli.wordpress.com. L-A Marzuli dot wordpress.com on the right hand side there's a donation button when you make a donation say for cheats and Easter trip uh it's a 10-day trip we'll be going to other you know pyramidal sites and all this other stuff uh you know we need your help we will be at the great pyramid of Chichen Itza, Kukukong, Quetzalcoatl on December we're the only tour group who will be there at the winter solstice wow hello <laughs> That's very Anybody intense. listening out there? <laughs> I mean, you know, you want to talk about, you know, helping. I mean, this is like major warfare. Yeah. I mean, go figure. Uh, you know, it's like 2012, 2012, 2012, and L.A. Marzulli gets invited. Excuse me? You know, it's like, it's like Noah. Is there anybody else up there? You know, Bill Cosby's thing. You know, it's just <laughs> right. like, why me, Lord? I did not <laughs> sign up for this, folks. I mean, I didn't. It's not something. Who wants to go in the combat? You got to be out of your mind. Right. No one wants to go into combat. No one. And this is like, you know, this is huge. And, you know, it's like I have to walk extremely circumspect. I will not go alone because Jesus always had a counterpart with him. He always sent out two people two by two, didn't he? Always. Never went alone. Yeah. And I won't go unless Ross and Richard can come with me. Precisely. Well, well if anyone is suited to do that, it will be you, Russ, and Richard Grun. So... Pretty much. Uh, definitely be praying for that. And um, 
Well, Ellie, we just wanted to say thank you for coming on. We're hey, great, great seeing you guys again and meeting, meeting you, Basil, and uh, look forward to doing another show sometime in the future. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Great talking with you, L.A. All right, guys. God bless. All right. All take right. care. Bye-bye. You may have noticed the brand new donation button down on the bottom right-hand side of the episode page. We just wanted to provide the opportunity for those of you who have the burning desire to help out Canary Cry Radio with some expenses. Uh, We do have certain expenses that we are happy to take care of, but if the Lord puts it on your heart to help us out, we would greatly appreciate it. Just keep in mind that it is a gift, and so it's not tax deductible, but we do want to say thank you to those who have already supported Canary Cry Radio. It's a great encouragement to us, and we pray that you continue to support it. Now, although Canary Cry Radio is a podcast, Gons and I have been looking for ways to expand the content on the site. So we've decided to start writing articles on things that we feel that the church needs to think about some more. So if you're interested, you can check out articles by both Gons and Basil, myself. We also want to have listeners and guests write articles for us. And so if you have an article or if you have something that you want to post, we'd be happy to do that as part of our content. And lastly, we're working on putting together a newsletter. So if you'd like to be a recipient of the newsletter, go to the Chirp tab and type in your email address and we will be sending out some newsletters uh, periodically. And... They're awesome. And we're we're awesome. We're awesome. And you're awesome. And you're awesome. There's just all sorts of awesome going on today. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) 